Hello out there and welcome to the Friends Like Films podcast. I'm Britt. And I'm Greg. And this is the podcast for you to hang out with us for a bit while we discuss a movie one or both of us loves. And I hope everybody had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Yes. Still full two days later. (laughs) Still full. Um, We're recording this the Saturday after Thanksgiving. And Greg, I can't believe this, but November 30th, which this episode might come out before or after that, but we have to acknowledge that that's our one year anniversary of our first episode of Friends Like Films. Yeah, yeah. So this will be our 28th episode. Yeah. Uh, so we're like, you know, roughly, roughly two a month. We market ourselves as a t- twice a month podcast movie podcast so i think we're living up to that <laughs> yeah we've lived up to expectations yeah um, but yeah a year it's been crazy that it doesn't feel like a year it doesn't it absolutely doesn't feel like a year um we just have so much time flies when you're having fun <laughs> right? yeah absolutely yeah our first episode was heavyweights like we uh, kicked yeah. it off with a bang might have to watch heavyweights again soon I it's always time to watch heavyweights, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I'm so proud of what we've done um, in our first year and everybody who's given us a listen or followed us on social, interacted with any of our posts. Yeah, joined us um, as a guest, anything. Joined us as a guest, definitely. Um, uh, close friends, Terry Cudmore and... Uh, Becca Mack and... Becca Mack uh, Michael Waldron, uh, our the close friend Michael Waldron. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, we started this. And the pandemic is still happening, but we started this um, in the first year of the pandemic as a way for Greg and I to keep in touch and and talk about movies. And um, I'm I'm still enjoying this, so I can't wait to see what we do in year two. Yeah, at at, at the very least, it's a great way to keep in touch and. Like, you know, regardless of whether anybody listens, I enjoy it. Yep. <laughs> I just like doing it. <laughs> and that's really all that matters is that Greg and I are having a good time. Yeah. So screw all of you. <laughs> but thank you. <laughs> yes. But thank you. And don't stop listening, please. But um, yeah, I had a wonderful Thanksgiving. I feel like so much content has come out um, in the past yeah. week or so, just in time for like food coma, sit on the couch and, and watch some movies and TV. Um. We got some sad news yesterday, actually. Um, the One of the greatest songwriters ever, um, Stephen Sondheim, passed away. Um, yeah. Yeah. He was 91. Yeah. Lived a long life. Um, wrote music. I guess was more known for Broadway than he was for films. But a lot of the stuff that he wrote for Broadway then was later in films. Like West Side Story being like the biggest example. Yeah. Um, which I think he actually only did the lyrics for when I was reading about him yesterday. But still, like... Um, you know he's he's just a legend. He he wrote the music for so many different movies and shows that that are classics. Yeah, I I mean recently, well, the last ten years, I guess, Into the Woods was yes. a, adapted into um, a film, which um, he was behind all the music for Into the Woods. And um, I recently watched Andrew Garfield's new movie, which you can watch on Netflix, um, Tick, Tick, Boom, about um, the life, the short life of Jonathan Larson, who wrote Rent. Um, Stephen Sondheim was a huge influence in Jonathan Larson's life, and um, Bradley Whitford plays Stephen Sondheim in Tick, Tick, Boom. Um, so it was just very time, like, 
just a sad timely yeah. occurrence for him to pass around all of this and company is um getting its new revival on broadway um i think next month i think um they're starting shows for that hmm. as well yeah yeah and i had read that uh at the i haven't seen tick tick boom yet but at the end of the movie there's like a clip where you're they're listening to his like st- Stephen Sondheim's voicemail message or whatever, and uh, he they actually used his real voice for that because he didn't I guess he didn't like the way that Bradley Whitford was doing it or Bradley Whitford wasn't available or something and they needed to re-record it and so he just did it with his own voice. Yeah. So that would great. be I guess his last credit would be the voice acting as himself in a movie. <laughs> yep, Tick Tick Boom. It was it was so good. I I'm really picky when it comes to musicals because I usually get like uncomfortable. When I watch musicals, I, I don't know why, um, but this one just felt organic and the directing was good. And Andrew Garfield, I was just blown away by his voice. Um, he took Yeah, I didn't know year. he could sing. He took like, they gave him time to really hone his his um, craft and take lessons and it really paid off. Like he did a really good job. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I will. I will eventually watch that probably sooner rather than later. But uh, I just haven't gotten to it yet. Well, there's so much. There's so yeah. much. Like <laughs> this is the season, guys. We are in like Oscar movie season now. Yeah. So, yeah. um, we. So there's a lot we want to get through before we get into our movie of the episode, which is Garden State. Um, I I'm very excited to talk about that later in the episode. Um. It had a big impact on me as an impressionable young 15-year-old. Um, not only with movies, but also music. And um, something that me and you have been watching related to music is the Beatles Get Back documentary. Right, yeah. I mean, as of today, all three parts are out. Um, I've seen the first two. And you've seen one and a half-ish, something like that. Yeah. Um, they're long. <laughs> uh, they are so long. Yeah, it's um it's I mean it's really really interesting and really cool to see them kind of like at work and really understand better like what was going on between them at that time cuz obviously that was, you know, this is you're basically watching the end of the Beatles. Um Right. And although they did have another recording, they recorded Abbey Road after this, right? Correct. Yeah, so if I'm remembering correctly off the top of my head, they recorded a bit of Let It Be or all or almost all they, of it. The way I the way I remember it is that they record they had the get back sessions, which is what this documentary is about. Yes. And they said it's basically going to be our last album. They recorded a bunch of stuff. They did the rooftop concert. They didn't like yep. how anything came out and they basically yes. abandoned the project. And then they said, we want to record a proper album. They went back and did it at Abbey Road Studios. Yeah, they went to George Martin and was like, we want to do this right. And George was like, well, we're going to fucking do it my way. And (laughs) Right. And so they did it. They came out with Abbey Road. And then they went back to those recordings that they did at the Get Back Sessions. And they had Phil Spector produce and put together an album, which which was then called Let It Be, which was their official last album. But it's not the last music they recorded. The last music they recorded is Abbey Road. Correct. Exactly. Um, I'm enjoying it so far. Like you said, it's re- it's really long. Part one is like a little over two and a half hours. Part two is about three. Um, and you really are like a fly on the wall for the sessions, which is yeah, really cool. They, have, um, they had the cameras rolling. Like they 
and yeah and they, they even comment on it multiple times so it was like kind of making them uncomfortable <laughs> yeah um i i did not I, I don't know what i envisioned but i feel like there's no momentum really like it it really it really is just like um it, it feels like not that edited footage that that peter jackson just like compiled and put out there like it's for me it just feels like a lot to get through but it's but i'm still enjoying it when i watch it yeah to me it um it's nice to see because like everybody there's like all i mean up until this came out there was all sorts of um speculation about like what broke up the beatles and like who was at fault and who was the one that finally left and who was the one and so you're getting a lot of insight into that and like where everybody's head was at and um I mean, my impression from watching the first two parts is that, or at least part one, is that Paul was kind of the asshole. <laughs> which which is, has been one of the theories, right, for yeah. a while. Like, yeah, like I got the, I got the impression he, he was kind of bossy and like, and based on the way they were talking, like that maybe he was kind of always that way. But like they started getting sick of it, and they all started kind of doing yes. their own thing, and they were like, "You can't really tell us what to do anymore." And especially yeah. George and a little bit of John. Um, John, I was surprised at how chill John seemed during these sessions. At least John, the bits I've seen so far. I, I think the, the the where there's some truth to the fact that when people say Yoko Ono broke up the Beatles, which is not that's a that's not true, like that statement by itself. But yeah. like that, I think is part of the reason John is so detached is because he was so wrapped up in Yoko. Yeah, for like, sure. Like she's there for all of it. Like she's she's right there sitting like I, like it's not even like I had known that she was there in the room when they were recording and like that was a thing that Yoko was always around. But not only is she around, she's literally like attached to John. Like she's in a chair literally right next to him, like inches away, like in the circle where they're playing. She's yes. there part of it. Like I can see how that would be disruptive for the other members of the band. Yeah, for sure. Uh this also might be the time period where John and Yoko are in their heroin phase. I think they're starting it. Like, they're diving into it. Yeah. So, that, that plays a part, too. Um, seeing... I love just seeing Ringo just be there and being, like, happy, whatever you need, Ringo. Ringo's so chill. <laughs> so chill. And somebody <laughs> makes the comment to Linda, like, um, like, I lo- like, I love Ringo. I think she says it. She's like, I... She's oh, like, she I said feel it like first? A, she's like, I feel connect, more, like more connected with Ringo than anybody else. And yeah. then, and like, the other people in the, in the conversation were like, well, yeah, it's Ringo. Like, that's how everybody yeah. feels about him. Yeah. Can we talk about... Um, I think it's Michael Lindsay Hogg, who's going to be the director of this, like, TV film or whatever. Yeah. And how he so badly wanted them to perform in Libya. Yeah. And would I was just, like, like dude, bring get it over it. They do not want to go there. Like, what the hell? Like, let it go, dude. And then he had, like, code names for them. Yeah. Like, like Ringo is called Russia, and... I think that was, like, an idea they had because the cameras were always on them and, like, so that they wouldn't know what everybody was talking about. But then they clearly, on camera, say, like, you're Russia, you're, uh, like, you're Helsinki. You're, like... And it's, like, what? Okay, so now we know what the code names are, so what's the point? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah, he... He was like, let it, I was like, let it go, dude. Like, they do not want to go to Libya and do this concert. Um, 
But uh, and to be fair, the venue that he picked, like that amphitheater in Tripoli or whatever, looks yeah. amazing. But like, it, like, yes, how, where does that fit into the beat? Like. What makes that a Beatles like thing? I, I don't know. Like it just seems like such a random pick. <laughs> and I loved when Peter Sellers showed up for like a hot second. Yeah, yeah and he's like, "All right, hey, nice to meet you." They were like, "What's up, Pete? Like, see you later." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Somebody posted the the GIF on Twitter. Uh, it was like Peter Sellers, and it's the the clip from The Simpsons where um, is it? What's the grandfather's name? Abram? Abe? Abe. It, the the gif of him walking into the bar and then immediately like grabbing his hat and walking out <laughs> yeah, they were yeah. like peter sellers <laughs> totally well because they were like in the midst of an argument when he came in too or like they were like upset about the cameras and he came in and they were like yeah so or they were reading about a tabloid article about themselves and they were like yeah so like thanks for coming in like you're just watching us get embarrassed and like be embarrassed and like embarrass ourselves in front of the camera and have a miserable time. And he was like, okay, uh, see you later. <laughs> I'm not, not going to hang out for this. <laughs> okay. Goodbye. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I feel like any footage we get of them, especially that's new and unseen is such a gift. So um, I'm excited to, to finish it. Yeah. I um an interesting like tidbit that I didn't know about previously that I've just, cause I've now been like reading a bunch of Beatles stuff. Yeah. And, like, in conjunction is that they tried to make a Lord of the Rings movie. The Beatles in 1968 tried to buy the rights and make a Lord of the Rings movie. And uh, J.R.R. Tolkien, who was still alive at the time, blocked it because it was probably going to be horrible. <laughs> they wanted Stanley Kubrick to direct. And apparently he was interested um, coming fresh <laughs> off of 2001 A Space Odyssey. And they had uh, Paul. To Paul was going to play Frodo. Ringo was going to be Sam. Uh, John was going to be Gollum. <laughs> and uh and then uh, george was gonna be gandalf honestly i think they got the casting right if it, i like i would not move any of those yeah definitely oh yeah mm, i don't know <laughs> who would you out of the other beetles who would you put as Gollum? i mean i just think the four of them should have been the four hobbits nah they want they want the they want the main juicy roles the hobbits are juicy rolls. I know, but they're not. They're I will not, not abide any hobbit slander. I, I'm not slandering the hobbits, but obviously, <laughs> like, Paul's going to want to be Frodo. Like, that just feels right. And, like, to have wholesome, nice Ringo be Sam, like, that totally makes sense to me. Yeah, I suppose. And then, like, sage, sage-wise George to be Gandalf. Yeah, but Paul, I mean, John as, uh, as uh, Gollum makes no sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's funny. <laughs> anyway, stay tuned. I'm sure we'll be talking more about Get Back um, once we finish it in future episodes. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot to talk about. I'm sure. I mean, I'm, I'm slightly ahead of you. You um, are. So, yeah. So I, like, at the point I'm at there, they've already abandoned the TV special idea. <laughs> yeah. So they're like, it's starting to form into like what we know as like that, like the Let It Be like movie and album. Uh, yes. So, uh, but I'm excited to watch. I'm probably going to watch part three tonight because <laughs> it's out. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. I've been busy with just really quickly. I watched King Richard, the Will Smith movie uh, based on Venus and Serena Williams and their early uh, lives um, coming up in the tennis world. 
And you can, I watched it on HBO Max. You can yeah, watch it's it. on HBO and, Max for like another couple weeks. And then yeah. it'll be, like, it's like one of those ones that like is available for a little while. Yeah. I uh, liked it. Um, I think Will Smith did a great job. I, I was not well-versed in Venus and Serena's early lives. Um, so I, I learned a lot. And um, Yeah, what I've heard is, I haven't watched it yet, but um, yeah. I've heard that Will Smith was really great and the movie was yep. just, like the movie itself was just okay. He was better than the yes. movie. Yeah, I would agree <laughs> with that statement. I think it's like, it's a good family movie, you know, like mm-hmm. believe in yourself, like work hard message, like that's all well and good. The story itself whatever but will smith did a great job yeah that's about what i've heard yeah from others uh, and then i watched um i went to the theater and i watched house of gucci oh very nice how was it it was good yeah okay it was it's good very, i don't want to give any spoilers. reaction i don't want to give any spoilers like lady gaga was incredible um adam driver was great um fucking jared leto was just ridiculous like, the makeup, I mean, like it, he looks like a, uh, I, I don't know, it, like from the previews and from like the all the, the posters and stuff like that, it looks like cheesy makeup. Like I don't know how realistic it comes off in the movie, but it looks really bad from what I've seen. It looks better in the movie than it does in promotional materials like posters. But his, his and I get it. Like he was probably trying. He plays Paolo Gucci, which is. Um, Adam Driver's uh, character's cousin in the film. And he, I'm sure he was like a larger than life character in real life. So Jared Leto like really leaned into it. But it was just a little much. And I felt like the story could have been, I think the story and editing was a little messy. Like it wasn't that tight of a story. Um, some Like some storylines, they moved along like too quickly to mm-hmm. me. And then some like too slow and but um for to gaga and adam driver alone like i really liked it so if you don't want to see it in a theater i would definitely watch it when it comes out like on demand at home or something I think that's my plan for that movie yeah yeah um, um we did uh i well there was a, just a small piece of news that i wanted to mention mm-hmm. is that uh miyazaki uh famous director of uh, anime movies um, and Studio Ghibli uh, is coming out of retirement to make one last movie. So we'll see. I mean, there's not many details out there, but like, I just was excited about that. Has he done that before? Has he mm-hmm. retired and then come back or no? Uh, maybe. Now that you mention it, it does sound a little bit familiar. But he's starting to get pretty old. So like, I don't know how many more times you can pull this off. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, if he wants to come back out and give us one more movie. Yeah. Like, thank you. I'll definitely watch it. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite Miyazaki movie, Greg? Um, uh, it's tough, tough choice. Probably Spirited yeah. Away. Yeah. I mean. Spirited Away. They're or, all good. Um, or Princess Mononoke I really love as well. Mm-hmm. I really like Howl's Moving Castle and um, Kiki's Delivery Service, actually. Yeah, one of my it's not really a Studio Ghibli movie, but it's his one of his early directing uh, credits is before Studio Ghibli even existed. Was yeah, he did a um, it's a feature for this anime that was around in the 70s called uh, Loop in the Third, 
And oh. he did, there was like a loop in the third movie called The Castle of Cagliostro. And he directed that. So it's like very Miyazaki. Uh, but basically the character is like a, um, like a thief. He's like a, a, like a legendary like burglar. And he goes on these like crazy adventures to like steal items or stop somebody else from stealing an item. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's like his character, but they they made a movie for him, and uh, that movie is amazing. It's like it's like constantly credited as one of the best anime movies of all time. Wow, I've never heard of it actually. Not that I'm like I'm not deep into the anime world by any means, so I'm not surprised that I haven't heard of it. But um, I'll have to check it out. Yeah, yeah, worth watching for sure. Yeah, cool. Um, I need to ask you because I think the last time we recorded, it wasn't out yet. But what are you thinking about Wheel of Time? Um, I am conflicted. You're I, conflicted. I want to like it so bad, but they've yeah. changed. They've changed some things, and I think I could get over it. I, we were talking about this on Twitter the other day. I think I could get over a lot of the stuff they changed. Like, and eventually I will. Yeah. But they there's like a I think a larger problem with pacing. Mm. We're like. I know that it's 14 books and like they're going to have to cut some stuff and speed some stuff up but like something something's bothering me about the way they're doing it. Like I don't know I don't know why I can't really put my finger on it but like certain events have happened like I mean I guess can we get into spoilers? I don't I don't really know how many people are watching. The, you know, we, can <laughs> a, we can give a spoiler warning just in case. Yeah, so the spoiler warning if you haven't watched there's four episodes out now of Wheel of Time. Um the in the second episode they go to that haunted city and where like that black stuff tries to come and yeah. like eat them. And that like happens like more than halfway through the first book. But it was like mm. in episode two. So like they cut out a lot of stuff from the beginning and like a lot of yeah. backstory and like explaining things. I feel like maybe they'll maybe they have some other strategy in mind, but I'm also worried that they're gonna start changing like big elements of the story. Like who who is the dragon? Like right, right. Like like they're they're making a big deal out of that out of that mystery. Like who is the dragon reborn? Which one of the main five or whatever? And I obviously from reading the books know who it's supposed to be, but I'm worried that they're gonna like because they've already changed some pretty big things. Like that they're gonna Mm. really go off book and then it's not even an adaptation at that point if they change who the dragon reborn is. Like that's like the big that's that's like the huge yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. I'm I'm. I some things I love. I think the casting they nailed. I think all the That's visual good. effects, his, all the visual effects, I've been kind of impressed with. Um, like I love the way that they're portraying, like the way the magic works, because I was I was concerned about that. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I, you know, but we'll see. We'll see. I'm I'm concerned. How do you feel about the acting so far? I think it's been good. Why? It's been, yeah, it's it's so hard when you adapt anything but then when you want to adapt fantasy and especially a fantasy series that's so long it's like you know they're going to have to cut things or streamline things and that always makes it um challenging yeah yeah the fact that they have already also recast one of the main people for Mm -hmm. season two is a little concerning (laughs) yeah Um, so We'll see. We'll see what happens. Are we getting tra- 10 episodes this season? I think 10, yeah. 10, I'm, try- okay. I'm trying to have faith. And season two is already greenlit. Season- they're already filming season okay. two. So season two is already happening, but season three I'm a little worried about. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh man. Well, let's let's move on to and talk about what we think of Hawkeye so far. Hawkeye. Do we want to talk, talk about spoilers or no? I think yes. Okay. We're gonna talk about Hawkeye episodes one we, and we two. We never shied away from it with WandaVision and Loki and the other ones, right? Yeah, I think you're right. So episodes one and two of Hawkeye. Um so you said you you love you love? I loved it, yeah. Yeah. Did you not? I no no no. <laughs> I want to I want to articulate this right because love is a, love is a strong word. I I I think it's super fun. I don't know if I love it, but okay, I'm right, I'm I'm, I'm 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 enjoying it. Yeah, I am enjoying it. Um, it's <laughs> it's it's interesting to see to have the spotlight on Hawkeye as a character for once and see what Jeremy Renner is going to yeah. do with him. I think the two of them have great chemistry. Um, yes. Haley Steinfeld and Jeremy Renner. Yes. And she's great. Um, yep. I've always thought she was a great actress. And like everything she's in, she's always really good. So. Yep. Um, and I think that that character, I don't know much about that character from the comics, but I know that like that she's kind of got, not, not an attitude. What's the way to put it? Like she's, um, I guess like I, like, I, from what I know of the character, she's matching the personality very well. Great. Yeah, she's, I mean, I, I don't know about her character from, from the comics, but she comes off as, like, not, not like... Like, independent and kind of... And I don't want to use the word cocky, and I don't want to use the word arrogant for her, but she's, she's very, she knows she's very capable. Like, she's one of the yeah. best, like... She is very capable, but maybe naive would be a good Yeah, word. there we go. Because yeah. she's young, she's 22. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Really fun. Do, do you remember if is the the hearing loss with Hawkeye? Is that new to the series? Like, did we uh, know he lost hearing in the films? No, I think this is them finding out about it. But in the comics, he famously does. Okay, so okay. that's like like fans of the comics are like loving that. They're like, oh look, they're bringing oh, in the, the, I, I love the hearing that. loss. <laughs> the, the hearing loss, like, because like I think he, I think that's a thing for him in the. Uh, in the comics is that he loses he's deaf or he loses his hearing yeah he has um in the show he has a hearing aid in one of his ears and i love the scene where um Haley seinfeld's character kate bishop um asked him like she i think she asked like how did it happen or what happened <laughs> it's just the fast cuts of like <laughs> yeah. all the loud explosions and things from all of the movies yeah they just do like yeah just like a montage of all the inc- insane explosions that he's been in over the years <laughs> Um, I, uh, I also love that, um, I love seeing like that flashback in the very beginning when you see that, like the battle of New mm. York, when they're like Avengers versus the aliens in 2012 yeah. and you see it from like other people's perspectives. You've had, yes. like, we've had that happen a few times now in the shows and like, and you yeah. had it like a little bit in, uh, in like, um, end game when they go back in time, you know, but I like, I love seeing those like events from the other movies and from the past, like from another perspective, you know what I mean? Yes, because so much wild shit has happened, like, in major cities, and we never, we rarely see what the aftermath has been like for people that are not the Avengers or the villains, you know right. what I mean? Right, yeah, like, in the beginning of WandaVision, <laughs> when you see Monica Rambo comes back from the blip, and, like, you see, like, in the hospital, like, in the hospital room where her mom is supposed to be, and, like, that, yes. like, I, like, those are, like, really cool moments for me in these shows. Yeah, I agree. I it just get, gives more context. It makes the world feel a little bit bigger. Um, yeah, I'm enjoying it. 
Um, I think I told you I I was like mild to moderately excited for Hawkeye, and I think it's um, exceeding my expectations so far. Yeah, I think. I do you think he's gonna die? I do think this is going to be the end of Jeremy Renner. Yes, I agree. I think this is his last performance as Hawkeye. I don't know if he's going to die, but I can't. I can't see them killing him. Like, ugh. like cause I feel like they're setting it up that so much for us to expect him to die. Like, oh, he's mm. like he's promising his kids that he'll make it home for Christmas, <sighs> and like, and uh, and he keeps like on the phone with his wife, and like only one more day, and blah blah blah. And it's like, all right, so obviously they're setting up for him to die and not make it back. But is it too obvious? Like, like, like that? You know, I just feel yeah. like maybe it's a misdirect. Like they want you to think he's gonna die. Yeah, I, yeah, we're on the same page, and I think this is the end of Jeremy Renner's Hawkeye. Yeah. Um. One, we, I, this isn't a deep dive on Hawkeye episodes one and two, but I wanted to ask you um, what you thought of the Rogers musical that they oh, go yeah, see on Broadway. <laughs> you know what I love is that my favorite part about that is that Ant-Man, Ant-Man is like there for, for no reason. <laughs> and, and, and they're like, and Jeremy Renner or like Hawkeye's in the audience being like, that guy wasn't even there. Like, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, this is not historically accurate. <laughs> So good. And um, and another thing about um, seeing them interacting with, like, quote-unquote commoners in the real world when they're in Times Square and the little boy's like, Mommy, a superhero. And he, he like, runs over to, like, the dressed-up Yeah, street. the ones that are actually in Times Square, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's so real. I've seen those guys a million times. Yeah, so... Stay tuned. I'm sure we're going to be talking more about Hawkeye in upcoming episodes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, I think that's it for our movie news and what we've been watching corner, right? Uh, yeah. I've been still plowing through Succession. I mentioned in the last episode that I started it, and I love it. It's great. I'm on. I'm like almost all the way through season two. Wow. So, so and, I'm, and I think the third season is ongoing right now. So I'll be caught yes. up. I'll be caught up pretty soon. Ten episodes a season. Yeah, roughly <sighs> hour long. I need to do it. Everybody mm. loves it. Yeah, I need really to good. do it. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for not spoiling it for me. I won't. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's get into the movie of the episode. It was my turn to pick this week. And I picked a movie that um, we've both seen, but you haven't seen it in a really long time. Like since high school. Since high school. So like, I was basically going in fresh. Like I remember yeah. the rough the rough story, but that was basically it. Yeah. Um, I chose um, 2004's Garden State. So when it was my turn to pick, I went back to a movie that I think I, I said in the beginning of this episode was just a big part of my adolescence and I loved this movie and I still love this movie but it had been years since I had watched it. Um, I owned it on DVD and it was in heavy rotation from like 2005 to 2008. Uh, I think I got rid of all of my DVDs about three years ago now so I, I don't have it anymore but it um I, I wore it out. So this movie came out in July of 2004. So me and you had just finished our freshman year of high school. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. So we were young, impressionable, emotional, hormonal 
little teenagers. Um, that same that same month, July two thousand four, you had Anchorman, The Village, I Robot, The Born Supremacy, and a personal favorite from high school, A Cinderella Story with Hilary Duff. Oh, <laughs> we've we've talked about that movie before. I think I think it's snuck in a couple times. Yeah, um, the village though that's a good. One. I mean, those are all really good, but the village. I remember seeing that for the first time. That was like M Night was at his peak. Yeah, I if I remember correctly, some people did not like the twist of the village at the time. Okay, I'm like why not? I, I, I mean, I love the village. <laughs> yeah, I liked it too. yeah, I guess because it. it didn't have like an effect on any. You know, like it wasn't like it didn't affect the story. It's like you find out at the end. Spoiler alert: that they're like in present day. <laughs> Yeah. And and like then that's it. That's the end. Yeah. It's like, okay, cool. Like, I, I can understand why somebody might be let down, but I thought it was kind of shocking. Uh, definitely shocking <laughs> when you see it for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't see this movie in theaters, actually. I remember vividly uh, where I first watched it. It was with my best friend at the time in her bedroom at her mom's house on her little, like, tiny CR TV. Um and somebody had given her the DVD of Garden State to watch, and we I was on it. We sat on our bed and we watched it on this little TV. And I remember when it was over, we were like, "What the hell did we just watch?" So <laughs> I think up until this in, point, in for, a good way, in a good way, <laughs> I think until up until this point for me, like in middle school, if you if you would have asked me, like <laughs> Brittany, who's your favorite actor? I'd be like Adam Sandler. Like, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Like, Mr. Deeds, Happy Gilmore, Billy Madison. Um, And obviously, like, growing up, I I, I would watch these movies that are now classics with my parents, but I was definitely too young to um, really understand the stories. Like, I grew up watching, like, Forrest Gump and, um, and what other movies came out in the 90s that were now considered classics um like apollo 13 and titanic and all these things and garden state was the first movie that i watched and i was like this is a this is a more elevated movie that like i understand what this movie is trying to tell me it was targeted at like basically at you (laughs) at me exactly (laughs) yeah yeah. Yeah. and um we'll get into the music too which had Mm -hmm. a huge effect on me um like, I don't know if that's what Zach Braff intended, but that like the target demographic of this movie is teenage girls. And like, you know what I mean? Oh, it, teenage <laughs> girls to like college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, for sure. Um, he was in his 20s when he made this film. Um, he was in like the second or third season of Scrubs, I think, yeah. when this came I out. I love Scrubs. That's one of oh. my favorite all-time sitcoms. Yeah. Great. Um, he made this movie for two and a half million. It made 35.8 million. Um, and the cast, let's talk about it. So Zach Braff wrote it and also starred in it yeah. as Andrew Largeman. Um, he got Natalie Portman to join playing Sam. Um, Revenge of the Sith had not come out yet. Yeah, but the, the other two had. So she's yeah. already two Star Wars movies in. Big star. Absolutely. Big star. Um, Peter Sarsgaard plays Andrew's dad. Uh, no, uh, plays Mark, his old school friend. Um... Ian Holm plays um, Andrew's dad. Gene Smart plays Carol. Um, you get a little appearance from Method Man, <laughs> which we'll talk about later. Yeah. I think this was like Jim Parsons' first movie role. Really small role. That makes role. sense. 
Yeah. Um, Michael Weston as Kenny the cop and Jeffrey Arend as Carl Benson, um, who works at Handy World. Um, a big part of Garden State, like I said before, was the music. So this movie introduced me and a lot of people to the shins. Um, I think this movie for me was a turning point from listening to like your classic pop punk emo and getting more into like quote unquote indie music like the <laughs> okay, shins um for me so um yeah this movie starts um basically andrew largeman finds out his he's a um he's an actor in la and he finds out very early in the movie that his dad calls him and says your mom has passed away um so he goes back to new jersey after having been home in like 10 years or more than that like yeah he hadn't been home right yeah he had not been home in a really long time um so he goes home for his mom's funeral and um it right off the bat you get that awkward uncomfortable feeling of what it's like to go home after not being home in a long time um they're at the funeral at the cemetery and his aunt is singing that wonderful rendition of three times a lady yeah oh my god (laughs) by lionel richie um so you're already like a little uncomfortable Uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and he meets up with his friend um that he hasn't seen in a long time uh mark who is a grave digger? Like yeah. he works. He yeah, works grave at digger. The, he's a grave digger. Yeah, and yeah. the first the first scene where we really, well, I think you see him like in the background digging graves. Yeah. But then the first time he's actually speaking is they are he's standing in the mom's grave taking her jewelry. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah, is that not what he's doing? No, that's not his mom's grave that he's standing in. Are you sure? I don't think so. I thought that was just some other grave he was digging. Uh, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> but either <laughs> well, because, way, he's, yeah. he's robbing some grave. He's like taking the jewelry out of somebody's coffin. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> maybe it is his mom's. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. We'll, ta- we'll talk about that more. <laughs> about that whole uh, grave robbing thing that comes into play later. Um so that so after after the funeral you get um another awkward scene where they're back at the house and his aunt makes him a shirt out of the same wallpaper pattern as the new bathroom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you get that that wonderful classic shot of Andrew in the bathroom wearing the shirt and he just kind of blends into the wallpaper. Yeah, it's just like his face and his arms and everything yeah. else is just blended into the <laughs> blended into the <laughs> wallpaper. I'm sure there's some metaphor there that I'm missing, but no. um Yeah, you like early on in the movie i should have said this before he has like a medicine cabinet that's filled of prescription medicine um and you learn that andrew's pretty much been medicated since he was like nine or ten years old um he's been on lithium since then which right he goes to the doc well he goes to the doctor to to get these headaches looked at and that's 
And so that's when you find out that he's on all the medication because he's telling the doctor about it. But before he goes into the doctor in the waiting room is when he meets Natalie Portman. Correct. The character Sam. Yes. Yes. Where the and dog I... is humping his leg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So again, you just get these little bits of awkward situations in this film that could happen just like in a slice of life, everyday life movie kind of way. Like yeah. some random dog could just come up to you and start humping your leg. Like that's totally plausible. Yeah, but you couldn't probably get the dog off if you really wanted to. He was being what? very polite. He was being very yeah. polite to the dog. <laughs> so that dog is a service dog. And I want to say that there's probably a very slim chance that a service dog like that would misbehave. Yeah. And like go off and start humping a stranger's leg. So that's yeah. a little inaccurate to me. Yeah. Also, I think he was uh, he was just very polite. He didn't he could have got the dog <laughs> off of him. He didn't even try. <laughs> he didn't even try. <laughs> um, yeah, we meet Sam for the first time in the doctor's waiting room. Um, she's listening to the Smiths. Um, caring is creepy, and he she makes Andrew listen to it. And she said the song is going to change her life. I don't think it changed his life, but she introduced him to the Shins. Yeah, well, I mean, in a way, it did because he kept talking to her because of it yeah that's true not necessarily because of the song but that was like the start of them knowing each other yep um going back to when he's talking with the the brain doctor whoever he was talking neurologist i don't know um and the doctor's like how long you've been on lithium like how long have you been on that um and he also lists like a bunch of other things like selexa and and other ssris um I, I think this movie, in a way, paint in a way paints SSRIs and that kind of medicine in a bad light um, because they mix it in with lithium. Lithium is like a whole other animal and is like very, very strong and very sedating. But I want to point out that things like Selexa that he listed and and other things do not make you completely numb and not able to cry in like 20 years like Andrew right, right, right. has been walking around yeah. not being able to well, do And to be fair, med- medications affect everybody differently. But yeah, this guy's on yeah. like, he was on like a massive cocktail of various different things. Yeah. Prescribed because... by his, his own father, which is like, had an ult- he had ulterior motives. And yeah. that's like the number one thing the doctor tells him is like, my number one suggestion is get a uh, therapist that is not your dad. Yeah. Get a therapist and get a psych that's not your father. Um, yeah so yeah he meets sam and they pretty much become like fast friends and start hanging out right away yeah which Um, i don't think i guess i I, I get the impression like she's really interested in him for some reason like she she wants to like know his story yeah and um yeah he he slowly reveals kind of the situation with his mom like I guess that that kind of happens throughout the movie. Like you you find out like how his mom died and the situation that she was in and why he's on the medication. I don't know if we want mm-hmm. to cover all that right now, but um, we can. Yeah, we don't yeah, need to but, go in order. Right. So I mean, so as their their relationship develops over a couple of days, they meet each other. They start hanging out all the time. He reveals that his mom was in a wheelchair, and it was due to uh, an incident where they were in an argument, and he pushed her. He had like anger issues as a kid. Yeah, and, and his mom, I get inferred that she had depression. Because yes. he's like, I would get mad at her because I could never make her happy. 
right? She was always upset and she didn't really care and she was apathetic and, mm-hmm. um, uh, yeah. So he pushes, he gets frustrated and he pushes her and she trips on the dishwasher door, which had fallen open yep. and she breaks her neck and she's in a wheelchair for the rest of her life. Then the way she died is that she fell asleep or drowned and she, because she can't get out of the, she was in the bathtub and because she can't get out, she slipped under the water and I guess yeah. the dad didn't notice and she drowned in the bathtub. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so as a result of not, not the bathtub thing that happened later, but when she was first put in a wheelchair, that's how he ends up on the meds to begin with is that they, they're trying to treat his anger management problems um, and this was when he was a child, like 10 years old or yeah. something, he said. So he's been on that medication, various different cocktails of medication since he was 10. Right. And they sent him away to boarding school as mm-hmm. well. So he, had, he hadn't really been home since, is what he says. Um, I, I'm guessing that protocol for somebody who's in a wheelchair and like paralyzed from the neck down or whatever it was should not be left alone in a bathtub so i don't know what the hell the dad was doing well the dad just seemed like an asshole to like in general (laughs) (laughs) so true (laughs) yeah this is this happens go ahead um i was gonna say like i even had a thought that maybe maybe she killed herself like and mm. yeah, you know, she was depressed before that happened. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it's possible. Yeah, I mean, they don't obviously don't say that in the movie, but like that's like as I was watching it again and kind of like remembering how the movie went because I didn't remember. I really didn't remember a lot of the details, just like rough outline. And like I started having the thought, like, oh, did she actually? Maybe she, maybe she intended to end it. Yeah, that I I I don't think that's a bad theory. And I've honestly never thought that before after all the times I've seen this movie. But yeah, I think that's totally possible. Um, Andrew and Sam start hanging out a bunch. We meet Sam's. We get a we get a look into Sam's home life. So she lives at home with her mom and her adopted brother Tatembe. Right, who was like one of those <laughs> like a dollar a day like support a child in Africa. And then he yeah. comes and finds them later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When like he gets years to later, the he shows yeah. up. Yeah. <laughs> um, I thought that was actually like, kind of heartwarming because she tells the story about how he was there in the states to go to school, and he calls them up, and he basically says, "You know, like I am really not comfortable or whatever, and I, and I just think it would be better for me if I stayed with family." Like he still remembered them from all those years ago, and I was like, "Ah, oh, very touching." Yeah, that's yeah. really sweet. Um. So we start to learn more about Sam and her family, and this this movie was the very early beginnings of the whole idea of the manic pixie dream girl in movies. Yeah, as I was watching it, I was like, uh, I was like, so, so this character Sam is like, I can think of like a dozen girls from like high school and college that like yeah. this was who they dreamed of being. Yes. Like, this is, like, they modeled their entire personality on being Sam from Garden State. From Garden State. <laughs> but it's true. Like, it really, like, took a hold on people who were young and impressionable at that time. Like, they just, for some reason, just latched on to Sam's character. Um, but I, one of the things I do love about Sam's character is she... Um, doesn't take herself too seriously. And we learned that she was diagnosed with epilepsy. Epilepsy, yeah. So she has Um, seizures. 
just seizures at a seizure at work and work said if you want to keep getting insurance through us we need you to wear this helmet it's like kind of hard soft looking helmet yeah it's like got mini pads but it's like a soft it's like looks like um those old-timey football helmets the leather ones that they used to wear yeah exactly um and and she's like come on like that's funny like if i can't laugh at myself like I'll cry, so I'm just yeah, well. Gonna... She says she does cry, but she's but she has to laugh to balance it out. Yeah, and like I I I respect I respect that that um yeah that absolutely. mantra yeah um so they start hanging out more they and then the the second bit of the movie is all about um Andrew's friend Mark wants to give him a. A, some kind of like present before Andrew leaves and goes back to California. Right. Like a going away gift and send yeah. them like on this, on this like scavenger hunt journey. Yes. So can we, can we talk about the, the scene in the, is it like a, the sex hotel? Like what would we even call that where he meets up with Method Man? Yeah. I guess a sex hotel is, the closest <laughs> it's like I don't, I don't know like what like what is that place supposed to be it's like uh, I, I don't know yeah so for people that haven't seen the movie they there's cameras in these rooms or or is it you're looking in through the peepholes at yeah, people it, having sex yeah it might be like a peep show type thing where like like somebody's stripping on the other side or or like there's a sex show happening that you can pay to watch like I, I, don't, yeah. I didn't really I couldn't really figure out exactly what the vibe was there. Yeah. So so the the first because that, part that of... exists where like where like some kind of like stripper or sex show is happening and you're like behind a wall. Yes. Like, not that I've ever been, but I know that that exists. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay, Greg. Sure. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I always remember it from is um Boondock Saints. They go to one. Mm. They go to they, and they kill like a bunch of mob guys that are in the uh, in like a sex show place like that where the the walls yes, open yes, up yes, and yes. they're in the middle and like they they kill all the guys around them. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So the first the first part of this little scavenger hunt it's Mark, Andrew, and Sam, and they go first. They go to Handy World, which is like an Ace Hardware kind of mm-hmm. store. It seems like and. On our on our on our Instagram account, I posted a question and just had people reply with their favorite memories from Garden State or their favorite scene. And my friend Jason replied, and one of his favorites is um, these knives aren't sharp enough scene in Garden State. So, yeah. <laughs> so pretty much they go to Handy World, and Mark goes to return these knives. Yeah. And he's like, and, and the person at customer service is like, oh, um, well, what's your reason for returning these? He's like, they're not, the knives aren't sharp enough. And she's like, well, it comes with a sharpener. Have you tried it? And he goes, they they can't cut cans. Because yeah, you bought the knives to cut cans. Yeah, and he, yeah, so he explained, well, he, I don't think, I don't remember what he says to her, but basically he's like, doesn't matter, are you going to take it back? She's like, yeah. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and he explains to them in the parking lot that this is like his scam because they have like a really generous return policy (laughs) so he like gets items and just brings them back and like convinces them that he bought that they don't need a receipt uh, or they don't require a receipt and so he like just brings things to them and returns them yeah and gets like quick cash (laughs) yep so he gets cash to buy a nitrous tank 
which he brings to Method Man. Right. And then Method Man tells him where to go, which is the quarry. Am I remembering that right? Yeah. Do they call it the quarry, though? It's like something they have a name for it or maybe the guy who lives there has a name for it i forget <laughs> the infinite abyss maybe yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah the infinite abyss well that's definitely what the guy calls it at the end but yeah yeah so they have their little scavenger hunt they make it to the quarry where they meet this couple um young couple i would say and they have a young baby and they're living in this like bow arc at the yeah it looks like a <laughs> like a uh, it looks like a boat out of a cartoon, like a boat that like Mickey Mouse would drive. Like Steamboat Willie. Yeah, it looks like, like it's got that kind of vibe to it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh yeah, they that that whole like quarry ravine, like Infinite Abyss, like they explained that they were gonna put a mall there and like they just found this cavern that goes to who knows where and they so they couldn't yeah. finish building the mall. It reminds me of a mall that they built near where I grew up. <laughs> which is actually really? still it still exists, the Palisades Mall. They built it. But, like, they built it on a swamp, and, like, within a year of opening it, they had to, like, close sections of it because it was sinking. And still to this day, like, it's, like, part, like they have to constantly, they're constantly doing construction to, like, prevent it from sinking into the swamp. I wonder and if that was inspiration for this scene. Maybe. The mall was built around that time, too, I think. No, mm. maybe, maybe a little bit before. But still. Like early to late, late 90s, early 2000s is when that mall was built, so. Um, yeah, it's just, and it's constantly, they just built it on a swamp, but it's just constantly, it was supposed to be a lot bigger. It was supposed to be like Mall of America, like that big. Wow. And, oh, wow. um, yeah, so they made it a lot smaller and that still didn't help. Like, I remember yeah. the parking garage in particular, like they had like, like there was never any parking at the mall because the giant parking garage, you were never allowed to go in it because it was like structurally unsound. There was like a crack that was like a foot wide. That's incredibly unsafe. <laughs> yeah, it was horrible. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you're onto something. Maybe that was the inspiration for this. The main reason I, I ever went to that mall was to see movies. There was a there was an AMC yeah. there that was like then the big that was then the biggest movie theater around. It's like an oh. AMC that had like twelve different and an IMAX and whatever. That was like the first IMAX like around in the area. I see. I see. Yeah. Um, so once they get to this quarry and they meet this couple, they get um what the what mark came for which is um andrew's mom's necklace that was supposed to be buried with her yeah so i i think that they were in i thought they were in his mom's grave in the beginning like and i thought that before the before i knew that i mean i also knew i remembered that he gets the mom's jewelry at the end but like i i thought it was weird that like because i I, in, in the beginning when they were like i from the very beginning, I thought they were in the mom's, like, grave, taking her jewelry out. And I was like, this is weird that he's just okay with this and he's sitting there because he was there yeah. with them. Yeah, but if that so, was his mom's grave in the beginning, why did they have to go on this huge, like, kind of scavenger hunt to get the jewelry? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Because because in his, his whole thing is he takes the jewelry and, like, pawns it and gets it, like, pawns it for money. The guy in the, the quarry or Mark? No, Mark. Okay. That's why he. That's why he takes the jewelry, right? It's for money, but like so, like I thought the idea was that that Andrew th- assumed that that stuff had all been pawned, and he's like, "Oh well, I got it back for you." Oh, I see. Yes, 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 yes. So this what seems to be this really sweet, nice couple that lives at this quarry is in the pawn business. 
of some sorts or canoodles with grave robbers like yeah i don't know what their deal is they just watch over the <laughs> abyss they like they watch for like i don't know monsters to come out of the, the yeah the, i don't they I guard don't know. it um another great scene in this movie that i love is the party scenes so there's a there's kind of a couple we get one in the beginning where he goes to a house party at the the mansion of somebody he went to high school with who has created now um, Silent Velcro and has become, like, a millionaire. Yeah, that's a real thing also. Silent Velcro? Yeah, but you have to – the military uses it so that you can – so that, like, they don't give away their position by, like, unstrapping things. But there's <sighs> – but you also have to be, like – yeah, there's, like, a very specific way you have to undo it. Otherwise, it still makes sound. So, like, I don't know why it counts as – <laughs> like you have to pull it at a certain angle or something i didn't know that yeah it's a real thing i thought it was just some quirky invention in garden City no, and, that they... and the military pays probably paid big bucks for whoever actually invented it yeah right mm-hmm. um but at this party they all drop acid um not acid sorry e Ecstasy, they all take yeah. e um and they all feel up on each other and play spin the bottle as <laughs> people in their mid-20s which when you're on E, I guess, and you do what you want. Who knows? Who knows? Um, and then the the scene with them, they go back to that guy, that millionaire's house, and he's shooting flaming arrows into the air. Yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> that, that's always funny. And I always think of uh, uh, that movie. Well, it came, well, this came out way before, but the movie Grown Ups, the Adam Sandler movie. Yeah, they have that, yes. like they shoot it up and they play that game where they have to run away and the last person or the person who stands still the longest wins. Yes, because they're the bravest. <laughs> yep. And in this scene, um, the flaming arrow lands really close to Natalie Portman's character, Sam. Right. Yeah, and she has the signal where she's like, "He's like, pull your ear when we're ready to leave." And the arrow lands like a foot from her, and she immediately goes to her ear, like, "Let's yeah. get out of here. <laughs> Let's get the fuck out of here." Yeah. But that is a funny like camera shot when the like. It's from above, and they're like, looking yeah. and they're all like shuffling around, like yeah. trying to avoid the <laughs> avoid the arrow. Um, and one of my favorite, uh, there's so many good music moments in this movie for me, but my favorite one is um, actually the the fireplace scene at the mil- the millionaire's house where um, "Fair" by Remy Zero is playing, and mm-hmm. in classic manic pixie dream girl fashion, um, Sam shows Andrew how she can tap dance. Right, which um, she can't, but yeah. She can't, but he thinks it's adorable, and that song plays. But also, um, when Simon and Garfunkel's The Only Living Boy in New York plays at the mm-hmm. quarry. Love that. That was my favorite music moment of the of the movie. Yeah. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a big Simon and Garfunkel fan, and Paul Simon, so like, that was, that was yeah. my favorite. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, and <laughs> I, I always thought it was a little awkward in that scene. They're, they're like making out and Mark's just standing there in the pouring rain. Yeah, it was a little weird. <laughs> yeah, well, they do that. Um, poor Mark. My gravedigger friend Mark is just going to hang out while we make out. Don't mind yeah, him. Yeah, at this quarry in the pouring <laughs> rain, by the way. Yeah, Thanks, on Mark. top of a piece of construction equipment. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Andrew's about, about to leave and go back to California, but first he talks to his dad. And Greg, you have thoughts about this scene? I I didn't love it. <laughs> like it's supposed to be like his moment where he like confronts his dad and like says, you know, basically you're not going to be my doctor anymore and we can't 
he says a lot of things, but basically like, you know, you can't continue to blame me for what happened and we're never going to get along. We just have to accept that. And like, maybe we can have some kind of relationship, but like, I don't yeah. know. I just, I just didn't buy it. Like, I mean, I like the words made sense, what he was saying, but like, I don't know, like there didn't feel like the, um, the emotion behind it wasn't there. And I know that the character also struggles with emotions because he's been like deadened for so long on the medication. Right. So. So like, maybe that was yeah maybe, part maybe of it. just wasn't fully uh, back to normal yet but yeah um, but yeah I don't know something about it just felt like like it didn't have the effect that I felt like it should have had you know like it wasn't very impactful yeah the the dad says something along the lines of I I just you know I just want everybody to be happy or whatever like we used to be or whatever it's something along all those right. lines and Andrew's like when was this time that we were all happy because I don't remember it and if I did maybe I could help steer us back there um, right. basically it, Andrew it leaves the conversation with his dad it's like can we just allow ourselves to be like whatever it is that we are instead of trying to mm-hmm. force or fix something. Um, but <laughs> it's funny to hear that you thought the speech was lame. <laughs> yeah, I just didn't, I don't know, I just didn't buy it. Like, not that I didn't <laughs> buy it, it just like, I don't know, it felt like that was supposed to be the big, like, climax, quote-unquote, of the movie, where, like, yeah. he confronts his dad, and, like, it just didn't, I don't know, it just didn't have, like, the emotion that I expected, or it didn't have, like, the the um, the weight that I expected. That's fair. I mean, yeah. I don't. I mean, that's a very forgettable scene to me. Um, right, but, but it felt like yeah. that's like that was his whole character arc was leading up to confronting <laughs> his dad. Like, so true. <laughs> I think. Uh, a, I also but, can't. I can't look at the dad and not see Bilbo Baggins from Lord of the Rings. So yeah. it's like hard for me to take him that seriously. That probably doesn't any, help. Anything else? Yeah. <laughs> Why is the guy from Scrubs talking to Bilbo Baggins? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I think a, a big moment is the scene in the bathtub with Sam, Andrew and Sam, and he's also talking about... Also kind of creepy and weird that they would go hang out in the bathtub where his mom died. Uh, is that the bathtub? Yeah. How do you know? It's in his house. That mu- Unless they have multiple bathtubs. Hmm... <laughs> Oh no! I'm never gonna be able to watch this scene the same way again. <laughs> it, do you really you think never... that's? Yeah. No, I what... never put that together. Uh, I what never... other bathtub would it be? I don't. Some other bathtub in the house. I don't know. No, that's clearly like a master bedroom, master bathroom tub. Uh... Anyway, <laughs> well, he cries for the first time in like 20 years. <laughs> And you know how I know it's the same tub is because when he first comes home, he goes into the bathroom and the and the faucet's still leaking, and he goes and like turns it off, and he's like picturing his mom in there, and he turns off the faucet, and then they're in that same tub later. Damn, you're so right. That's really unfortunate. Why would you, why would you go and sit there? You want to go see where my mom died? Yeah. Yeah, and I'm gonna cry in front of you for the first time in 20 <laughs> years. Damn, that's rough. Okay, well, now that that scene's ruined for me forever, we Sorry. can talk, we can <laughs> you talk shouldn't about have picked the this movie. <laughs> Good God. Um, the end at the airport where Andrew's about to leave Sam. My One of my favorite lines is where, like, she's pretty much doesn't want him to leave, and she says, I haven't even lied in, like, two days. 
And he's like, really? And she's like, yeah, because no. that's like her thing, right? In the beginning, when he first meets her, he sa- she says, "I'm a chronic liar." I'll yeah, I haven't even lied in like two days. Um, so Andrew goes to leave and leaves Sam after saying goodbye, and then he has a realization where he's like, "Wait, this girl Sam is incredible," and. I, I need to be with her and we'll figure it out. So he goes and back into the airport and he finds her crying in a phone booth. <laughs> like, and who, is she even on the phone though? Like, I don't think she's no, even on no. the phone. Yeah. No, she's just in the phone booth. What a weird place to go cry. <laughs> I agree. Very tight. Very, yeah. very tight. And you don't have any privacy. All you have is claustrophobia. <laughs> like everyone can just see you. You're like in a little glass case of emotion to borrow from Anchorman that came out the same month literally um basically he's like this is great and this is too good and i think the last words in the film are like or like what now or now what or something like that something like that yeah and they kiss and let go by frufru starts playing and boom that's the end of the movie yeah and then he's like, oh, but I now that I decided I'm going to stay, I actually do have to go get on this flight and go get all my stuff. So see you later. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what was it like watching this back after, what, 15 years at least? Yeah. I mean, I didn't, I really, I remembered even less than I thought I remembered. Um, like yeah. I just, I like knew that his mom died and he meets a girl. That's really all I remembered. Like yeah. the movie did not leave an impression on me <laughs> uh, <laughs> back in the day, <laughs> um, but uh, I don't know. I enjoyed it. It was like, uh, it, I, it's not. I don't think I'm ever going to think of it as a classic in the way that people like, you know, like the way that you do, because like yeah. you, like you loved it at a time where you're in a very at a very impressionable time in your life. Yes, and like, I just it's never going to have. It's never going to be that for me. But like, it was an enjoyable watch. Yeah. Okay. I think I probably haven't watched this movie in probably 11 years, I would say. Um, And it still held up for me. Some lines still came back to me after watching it so many times when I was a teenager. Um, I I still think it holds up. Um, And I think it was the beginning of those kind of quirky, like, slice of life movies that have like a underlying serious message to them like not that this one does but came out that same year napoleon dynamite also came out in 2004 that is one of the movies i like i have a very distinct memory of like being in a theater and dying laughing at napoleon yeah (laughs) yeah like there were a couple movies that came out in high school that just left an impression on our generation and i think the pulling dynamite was one of them for sure yeah the another like this is not really related but and i think we might have come out around that time um but there was a movie called the perfect score where they steal the answers to the sat and have like scarlet like young scarlett johansson and a few other people and yeah uh, and i remember being in that movie and like halfway through the movie someone goes like the whole movie is them stealing the answers, yeah. And someone goes like, "Oh!" Like in the middle, someone like I, like just trying to be funny, like somebody like yells out in the theater, like, 
oh, they're stealing the answers. And like, I, for some reason, for, like normally that like I, it was like, such a horrible joke, but for some reason the entire theater was dying when that guy said, like, 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 where have you been? Like, you like you're not watching the movie. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wake up, buddy. Where yeah. have you been? Yeah. Um. I think that's all I have to say about about Garden State. Yeah. Um. I'm, I'm, it was. I liked it. I, I was glad we chose it as a movie. Yeah. Again, I I feel like I could not do this podcast and not pick a movie like this that was so important to me. And yeah, a, yeah, yeah. No, that's yeah. the it's the perfect kind of pick for like a like one that you love that I'm not so familiar with. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, I think my biggest takeaway is like realizing in retrospect how many girls I knew were trying to be Sam from Garden State. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah which, like, I look at, um, like I look at it now and I'm like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Like so many, like, uh, like this was like the model. Yes. It was the manic pixie dream girl model. <laughs> but I, I have to thank this movie for giving us an amazing soundtrack. Um, it won the Grammy for best compilation soundtrack. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Um, I have it on vinyl. I still listen to it. It's a good one. Cool. Yeah. Well, everybody, if you like what you heard here today and looking back on 2004 in cinema, please rate and subscribe. Um, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Friends Like Films on Instagram, Friends Like Film on Twitter. Um, <laughs> And email us at friendslikefilms at gmail.com or send yeah. us a slide into our DMs on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Next Maybe. week is Greg's pick. Yeah. Um, and I was, I had a, a lot of movies were crossing my mind, but I had watched the, uh, the new Bond movie recently, um, No Time to Die, Daniel Craig's last movie, which I, we didn't talk about that earlier in the movie, in the movie section, but yeah. um, it was just all right. <laughs> really? I yeah, the exact opposite. The, well, the only thing I really loved is that my girl is in it, Anna Darmus, my girlfriend, and she was yeah. amazing. The best fifteen minutes of the whole movie. Oh, you're and, such a supportive uh, boyfriend. Yeah, <laughs> I'll always support her. And uh, uh, so that got me thinking about James Bond, and I love all the classic James Bond movies. I know you haven't seen a lot of them, um, yes. but my favorite for a number of reasons <laughs> is 1973's live and let die um starring roger moore who is not my favorite bond but that this is i think i can say that this is my favorite bond movie wow yeah this is the one so uh we're gonna dive into it it's a good one it's it's the it's all the the cheesiest things about james bond represented in this movie <laughs> so I i'm excited seen it yeah, it'll be my first time. I'm very familiar with the title song, but that's about it. Yeah. Um, perfect. So looking forward to it, and uh, we'll see you guys next time. Thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.